0: Um, What I want to know is, as an actress, um, how much did you know about what was going to happen in the sequels? So, when you um, kissed Luke for luck, Uh, did you know that. I knew he was my brother and I tugged him. I'm joking, I'm
1: joking, I have to. I'm obliged to make these jokes, I'm under contract to make jokes that are bad. No, uh, I did we did
0: not know. We didn't know. And if I knew what the hell was I thinking, and I stopped myself from saying a bad word just then, you saw me censor myself. It will never happen again.
2: From Chicago, this is the Unenthusiastic Critic, a podcast about destroying your marriage one movie at a time. Hello everyone and welcome to The Unenthusiastic Critic. I'm Michael McDonough, I read about film and television at unaffiliatedcritic.com. With me today, and currently eyeing me as if I were a half-witted, scruffy-looking nerf herder, is my lovely wife, Nakia, also known as The Unenthusiastic Critic.
1: Let him get that reference.
2: <laughs> That's why we do this. <laughs> On today's episode, Nakia and I are sitting down for her first viewing of Star Wars Episode 6, Return of the Jedi, or as it was known when I was a kid. Return of the Jedi. Nakia, you had never seen a Star Wars movie when I met you. Right. And so, of course, I set out to rectify that. And in fact, the second movie we ever watched for the unenthusiastic critic, back when it was a blog, was Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was just over seven years ago, a little longer than it actually took to release these three movies. So you must be excited to finally complete the original Star Wars trilogy. I am not. How can you not be? You've been waiting years to find out what happens.
1: I have not been waiting years. I have been hoping we would never revisit this again. <laughs> um and yet here we are. So
2: So I should mention so we watched as I said we watched Star Wars for the blog. At some point in the intervening 7 years, we also watched the second movie, The Empire Strikes Back. Uh I'm sure I probably intended to write that up for the blog, but I don't know what happened. I never got around to it, which is something that happened more frequently than I like to admit. It's one of the reasons we don't do it as a blog anymore.
1: And a waste of my time.
2: (laughs) But you have seen that one. Mm -hmm. Whether you remember anything from either of these two (laughs) movies, I have no idea. Right.
1: Um, I mean, so I will say that the Star Wars fandom is an impressive bunch because I really don't know how you all keep what happened in what movie? Straight because I re <laughs> it just all starts to blur together. I don't know which ones I've seen. I I vaguely remember the first one. I remember I just hated uh, Luke.
2: Yes, you did. That was
1: my main takeaway. Uh, and then the second one. I know Lando Calrissian was in it, and that's sort of all I remember about <laughs> it. So yeah.
2: Really? Because I was hoping you would just sort of recount the plot to date for yeah, us. Yeah, I will
1: not be able to do that. There in space.
2: That's it. That's all you've got there in space. <laughs> there's there's
1: some things happening in space.
2: <laughs> okay. So how how would you describe your relationship to this franchise?
1: Uh I inherited it through our relationship. <laughs> Otherwise I would have gone through my life having not seen it and been fine, really.
2: How is that possible?
1: Because I did I didn't I don't really have the love for them uh, as films that you and others do so but i'm not i don't diss it like i that's great i'm glad that it you know makes other people happy and they get excited and it becomes this sort of cultural moment for folks but it's just a moment that i cannot participate in at all
2: i mean you didn't you didn't grow up in a cave literally
1: not literally no No, I did not grow up in a cave. You were
2: a child in the 80s. I was a child in the early 90s. Early 90s, yes. These movies existed. They were things people talked about. Not
1: real. I don't remember anyone really ever talking about Star Wars when I was growing up. Um, It wasn't anything that anyone in my family seemed to be interested in, at least that I remember. We didn't go to movies a lot anyway. Mm -hmm. We didn't rent movies a lot. And when we did, it was going to be whatever my mom wanted to see, and that was not going to be Star Wars. So it just wasn't, and it wasn't like kids at my school were talking about it. I don't remember any of that happening. It just never came up. I think my dad so I did not grow up with my dad, but I know that he's super into kung fu and sci-fi, <laughs> so it's possible that his being absent from my life just I just didn't get that piece.
2: That that is one of the things that a strong male role model exactly. provides. Exactly. They, they for bring you, you is the kung
1: fu and the Star sci-fi Wars. Kung fu yeah. movies. Yeah. <laughs> Because I think, I'm pretty sure, I have a, a half-brother, and I know that he posts about Star Wars. Like, I've seen him post things about uh-huh. Star Wars when the new movies and whatnot comes out. So I, I know that he's into it. So it, it, that may be something that he got from my dad. I don't know. But I definitely know the Kung Fu was a big deal. So, yeah. Tragedy of a broken home. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, did you have any sort of geeky obsessions as a child?
1: So I was thinking about that, and I don't think I did. And I think this part is of it... just a misspent
2: youth. I know. Well,
1: part of it is, right, the sort of consumer aspect of it my mom didn't buy me a lot of stuff it wasn't like I was you know living we were very much you know a middle-class family when that actually meant something um (laughs) so we were fine um but she wasn't big on buying a lot of toys she wasn't you know that sort of thing uh so I feel like as a child participating in a lot of stuff means buying things and sort of sharing in that yeah and so I and I didn't really you know have the opportunity to do a lot of that but what I did have was a library card i was a very quiet kid was not really social at all still very much not social <laughs> and quiet <laughs> um and i don't know about quiet but okay right well uh there, there would always be these like this the libraries would do these like summer reading lists and they would have a list of books that would be like a challenge for you to read mm-hmm. before the end of the summer and i was very seriously into that like there was a checklist by each a check box by each book so you could check it off mm-hmm. when you finish the book And I remember almost all of them, like I can remember what the covers looked like. And a lot of them were um, Newbery books, the Newbery Awards, which was like the awards for the young adult books. Um, I remember there was one book called Strawberry Girl, and I, I can see the cover of that book in my mind so clearly. So I spent a lot of summers in libraries reading Newbery books. And I would get really excited when the Scholastic Book Fair would come to school and I could, like, buy a book or something. like. That. And it's not even me being like, oh, well, I was just reading as a child. And, look, it, that's not what I'm trying to say. It was just, if I was sort of fanatic about anything. That was
2: your fandom? It
1: was that. It was, it was like, I've read all the Newberry okay. books. And it
2: was just, Do you, like, need a do-over on your whole childhood.
1: But it was, I read some great books. It was just,
2: you were reading Strawberry Girl when the rest of us book. were seeing The Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> Actually, you weren't born yet when the rest of us were seeing right. Empire Strikes Back, so, but the point still holds.
1: I think it's just, you know, environmental. It wasn't a part of my environment at all. Mm. Nobody in my world was really talking about Star Wars. Nobody was a really big fan of Star Wars. And then the few friends I had in school, I don't remember any of them talking about it, and I just sort of fell into books, and that's sort of where I...
2: Okay. What about... Sort of the toys, action figure part of it. Do you have anything like that? I mean,
1: again, that comes back to the consumerism part, right? Of Like, my mom is not going to indulge, you know, me buying every new toy that comes out. I mean, I had dolls and things, but then it was, we're only going to buy the black dolls. And so that becomes a small collection very quickly. Like, that's just not (laughs) (laughs) going to be... A massive collection.
2: Um, so you could have had the Lando Calrissian action figure. So I,
1: I, if I had known who Lando Calrissian uh-huh. was, then yes, I could have had the Lando Calrissian action figure. But I had like the one black Barbie that there was, <laughs> and there was one doll, and I can't remember her name, but she had a bow on her head that lit up, and it was pink, uh, and you like pressed her back, and it lit up. And oh she, yeah, and I had she, was, that one. she was black. She was very cute. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I had light, a light bright, like I had those sorts of things. Okay. Yeah.
2: Well, the toys, the toys are a big part of this franchise. Um Star Wars, the original Star Wars was not a huge budget movie and was not expected to be a success. It had been about 25 years since this sort of silly space opera thing had even been attempted. hmm Nobody had any confidence in it. Lucas took a fairly small salary to direct this film, but in return for that, he kept the merchandising rights. Smart. And 20th Century Fox said, sure, and kind (laughs) of laughed and said, if that's what you want, you got it. They didn't care about the merchandising rights. They didn't realize. Toy sales related to movies were not, you know, even something on their radar. Mm -hmm. Um, An article I read, and it was an article from a couple of years ago, so, you know, several movies have come out since then, say merchandising sales for the Star Wars franchise amount to at least $32 billion (laughs) worldwide.
1: (laughs) Not a bad chunk of the nugget there.
2: No, no. So that's... He was one of the first people to realize that that's where the money was in franchises like this. Mm-hmm. I mean, the movies made a shit ton of money, too. Uh, $4.3 in ticket sales to date. And again, this number may be out of date. But yeah, I mean, $32 billion in merchandising and licensing. And that's insane. That is. That's an unstoppable juggernaut of money. <laughs> and we will talk a little bit about how that has perhaps influenced the franchise not necessarily in the best ways so wait let's let's go back to your experience with this franchise because you i don't know if we can call you a fan but you have voluntarily seen some of the new movies
1: i mean again i'm married to you so that's a large part of it
2: yeah but that doesn't mean you go to all the movies i go to no in fact you don't go to 95 (laughs) percent of the movies i go to Though. You chose to go see. So what was Star the first Wars one? The Force Awakens. That, so that was
1: the first one, right? With with Boyega. Yeah. Okay. So right. So I went to the first one because of John Boyega. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed him in uh, Attack the Block.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and of course, it was a black man leading a Star Wars franchise, so just out of support, I was going to go see it. Mm-hmm. And also Daisy Ridley, you know, supporting a woman in a lead role in the franchise. So that was really what that was about, was just, okay, let's go.
2: But you enjoyed it.
1: I did. It was fun. It was a fun movie. I didn't walk out like, oh my god, I'm a super fan of Star Wars now. Well, no, that's
2: good, because those people are not (laughs) happy. There is not a fandom in the universe that takes so little pleasure from new movies coming out.
1: So, yeah, I mean, and I think... Have I seen all of the new ones at you this You
2: saw The Last Jedi, which was the last one that came out.
1: And then I saw that random one, the... Did
2: you see Rogue One? Rogue One. Okay, I did not right. remember if you'd seen that one. We went
1: to see that together. So, yeah, I mean, they're not terrible. So, yeah, you've
2: seen all the new Star yeah. Wars movies. I think
1: they're fun. And there are some cool visual moments in them. Um, in The Last Jedi, that scene... Well, there were a couple scenes. The scene in the... And I never remember anyone's name. <laughs> In the like throne room of the big bad. Yes. The fight scene in there, and it's uh-huh. Red, and, and she and uh, Kylo Renner yeah. fighting the things. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I almost called them Borgs, but that's the wrong one. Yeah, right?
2: wrong universe, okay. but pay
1: you
2: know, so- <laughs> for effort.
1: So that was a cool scene—the scene where they're like out in—I don't know if it's like a salt mine or something, but it's right. like white sand and but yeah. the trail is red. Like so, there's some cool visual scenes yeah. in them. Um, but yeah, I don't walk away loving them. It's just like, oh, that was that was a cute movie. That was you know a fun movie. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, well, what I mean, one of the reasons we're doing this now is because Solo, a Star Wars story, mm-hmm. I think that's called, is coming out this weekend. You are 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 we planning on seeing that?
1: Ah, uh, we is an editorial we.
2: No, we as in you and <laughs> I.
1: Uh, no, I will not be seeing it.
2: We as in date night.
1: That's a shitty date night, dude. No, <laughs> no, absolutely not.
2: I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I'm probably not going to see it opening weekend. I'm not that big a Star Wars fanatic, and shame on you. I, I kind of almost feel like we have too much Star Wars product coming there out right now. There is a lot now. of
1: Star Wars.
2: I think when there's like three years between movies, that's. The perfect time to, like, get excited about another Star Wars movie coming out. Mm -hmm. Now it's like, I don't know, every two months or something there's new (laughs) Star Wars coming out. I'm I'm not as excited about that. Uh, But not coincidentally, it's also appropriate timing because Return of the Jedi was released May 25th, 1983, so... Almost exactly 35 years from when this episode will drop okay. to the day. And six years to the... It was released six years to the day after the release of the first film. So May 25th is apparently...
1: Star Wars Day. Star
2: Wars... Well, now, now May the 4th is Star Wars Day. Ah, uh, yes. Um. So I was, what? I was 13 years old when this movie came out. I think I was probably, you know, right in the sweet spot as a child for the Star Wars movies. mm mm-hmm. I was seven when I saw the first one, um, and then again, I think there were three years between each of the first three movies. So I was just about the right age to to really get excited Caught about that. Caught up in them. the magic. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the toys. A lot of my friends had all the action figures and stuff. That was just. I think that was just too big an investment of funds. Mm-hmm. My money was tied up in comic books. <laughs> But I would go to my friends' houses and play with the action figures and the, you know, I liked the the Millennium Falcon models and all of that stuff to play with. <laughs> um, and we we were pretty into it. I mean, I remember having a lot of conversations about Star Wars. Really? Yeah. There was a lot to speculate on. It was just, it was fodder for the imagination. Mm-hmm. And especially with this movie, before Return of the Jedi came out, because, and I will refresh your memory as to where we are in the story.
1: Great. That'll be helpful. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so Empire Strikes Back kind of ended on cliffhangers. So we had Han Solo had been frozen in the carbonite. Mm-hmm. Do, you remember, do you remember this? Sure. So, Lando sold him out.
1: Right, I remember that.
2: Vader showed up and made Lando trap Han Solo. Mm -hmm. Han Solo was frozen in carbonite and shipped off to Jabba the Hutt, who he owed money to, or something. Okay. Um, And then Luke, who had, just to refresh your memory of the movie, he'd been (laughs) training with Yoda. He'd been doing all the training on the swamp planet with Yoda. And then he went to, and he went and fought Darth Vader, and that was when... Darth Vader told him he was his father,
1: ah uh, yes, pivotal moment
2: pivotal moment
1: yes, I was emotionally moved
2: dramatic yes, thunderclap
1: mm-hmm, except I don't give a shit. <laughs> So this is, I think this is also part of it. I oh, okay. am not the person that cares a whole lot about the mystery. I am not the person that's going to sit there and sort of try to tease out and speculate about what's going to happen in cuz I, I just don't give a shit. Like <laughs> either the movie stands on its own I, the, the story stands on its own or it doesn't. I don't want to I just I'm not into, like you know, the, you know the people that are really into lost or people that are really yeah. into Twin mm. Peaks, and they really get into the, sort of the minutia of the mystery yeah. and what is this? And I just don't
2: I see. Don't... I I agree with you now. <laughs> I'm I'm the same way you are now. I have so little patience for that shit. But. When I was 12 years old... You're
1: really into it. In the
2: three years yeah. between the time that Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi came out, I remember my friends and I having a lot of conversations about, do you think he's really Luke's father? Yeah. And all these theories and all these... I remember one of my friends had this complicated theory about the color of the lightsaber, <laughs> and he couldn't be Luke's father because his lightsaber was a different color. There was no evidence for any of that, but like, I just remember those conversations. Yeah. And I didn't... Like I said, I didn't have the toys, but I did collect the trading cards. There were which
1: trading was, cards? There were
2: trading cards.
1: I did have some Garbage Pail Kids and once.
2: You, oh, <laughs> same concept. <laughs> <laughs> so you try to collect the whole set. And I was thinking about this, and in relation to, like, the spoiler-phobic yeah. atmosphere now, the trading cards came out before the movie did. Oh. So, like, I, I had pretty much a complete set of the Return of the Jedi trading cards...
1: Before the movie. Before
2: I saw the movie. And again, it's it has pictures of all the scenes in the movies. <laughs> so it's like you kind of knew what you were getting into before you even saw the movie. Mm-hmm. The comic book adaptations also came out before the movie did. Mm. In fact, I had the comic book of Return of the, uh, the Empire Strikes Back, which came, obviously came out before the movie did because Yoda looked completely different. He was like purple.
1: In the comic book. In the
2: comic book. Okay. Because they had, because the movie wasn't done yet when they made the comic book. They were working from, like, older concept art. Mm-hmm. Like, they are like, this is what is gonna look like, so that's how the artist drew him, and then he ended up looking completely different in the movie. But, so I read that comic book before I saw that movie. I knew exactly what was gonna happen. It didn't affect my excitement
1: for the movie, for the right. movie
2: at all. And maybe that's, I mean, maybe it's just part of the whole geek culture around these kind of big universe-building mm-hmm. movies, is that getting more information about the movie is not spoiling the movie. It's like, okay, you're, right. you're starting to build the world right in your own imagination and you know all the players and you're getting into the, the minutia, <laughs> the obsessive detail of it
1: right uh, i read betty and veronica sometime <laughs> <laughs> came with some bubble gum yeah. shitty bubble gum but it came with bubble gum
2: all all bubble gum <laughs> that came with anything <laughs> was shitty sometimes dangerously sharp yeah piece of, it's like a like you could brick. bite into that yeah. and you could shove that through the roof of your mouth it was and, pretty terrible gum. yeah
1: you could it chew like it a couple times, and you had to get rid of it. When you bit into it. You were basically <laughs> sucking off the sugar and then getting rid of it because it just, it was not good gum.
2: But I can still smell that. Yeah. Like, that sense memory is still in there yeah. of opening up a pack of cards and smelling that.
1: Bazooka Joe, that, that was the Bazooka gum. Joe? Yes. Anyway. <laughs> All my memories connect to food. So. <laughs>
2: so going back to what I was just saying about kind of that three-year gap between movies. Mm -hmm. Um, Pauline Kael, in her review of Return of the Jedi, she she was not a fan of the movie, and we'll come back to that later. Yay,
1: Pauline!
2: But she made this point. She was perceptive enough to make this point. After she trashed the movie, she said, I can believe that kids will be excited by Jedi. They have lived their imaginative lives with the Star Wars characters for six years. Each three-year wait has had to be filled with imagination, Mm -hmm. and so the characters have acquired depth. And that, I guess that's the part of the experience that's hard to recreate for you.
1: They become magic because you believe because in them.
2: Because you, you watch these movies now and you're like, these are shitty characters. <laughs> this is shitty writing. Right. And that's probably true, but this was pre-internet, pre- social media, pre- it's like we had the movies, and then it was just the speculation right. and the imagining and talking with your friends about it.
1: The anticipation I And, it. you know,
2: her point that the characters acquired depth that they didn't actually have on the screen, just because they lived in our imaginations for so long. Right. We had our own theories, and we had our own, you know, we played games where we pretended to be them, so it's like, it's almost like things that we could project a lot of other stuff onto. Right. So yeah, I don't I I I don't know if that (laughs) is gonna work for you.
1: Probably not. But this is the thing, that's why I say I don't I don't piss on them because I really do I understand how a generation of folks could connect with these films. And because they've spanned such a long period of times you've lived with these characters for so long (laughs) that they do mean more than what is just on the screen. You know, that's a, that's a gift for a filmmaker to sort of be able to produce something like that, that resonates with people. And so that is, that is absolutely a gift to the audience. And, you know, I will say, like maybe it's just unfortunate for me that I just didn't get on the train early enough to sort of have that experience because coming into it now, I'm just like, okay, I, I see how these are, you know, fun movies, it's not something that I really connect with in any way. It's mm. not something that I would seek out.
2: Right. Um, and I and I don't think that experience is recreatable today, even with new movies.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and I guess, like, I mean, I think the Marvel Cinematic Universe would be a comparable franchise at this point.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But, again, just with... With internet culture, there's so much discussion of them and there's right. so much background information. And even if they protect story spoilers, like casting news comes out, there's just not like the same vacuum in- that can be filled right. with a child's imagination.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, I do not enjoy these films. This um, <laughs> is so much <I guess. laughs> But I know that I am one person standing alone on an island, and everybody else is on the other side. Well,
2: no, you're not. And I think most people would admit that objectively, from just an artistic standpoint, these are not great right. movies. I mean, they might be great movies, they are not. It's not great writing.
1: Right. I think there's a lot of the time, from, from you know the very small pieces that I remember, the plot and storylines are sort of ludicrous. Um,
2: what do you remember?
1: P- I mean very little. I remember like I re-
2: you don't actually pay attention when we watch these things. Do I you? do,
1: but here's the thing, I'm very good about ejecting shit from my brain that I don't need. And I just don't I just once I've watched it and if I have decided it isn't something that I'm into, then I don't need that and so I get rid of it. Um so I re- I remember hating Luke. I remember him being a whiny little bitch. Um I remember not really being crazy about Han Solo and I know he's supposed to be the sort of renegade charming, charming character mm-hmm. that everybody loves. Um I vaguely remember liking the Cantina scene. Yeah. Um and then the whole like there's a hole in the Death Star or whatever, like that's just again, preposterous. Um <laughs> <laughs> I didn't so. and then the second one I remember even less. Yeah. Anything? Barely.
2: So we start off on the ice planet.
1: Oh, right. The Tauntauns.
2: Yeah. Oh, good. You
1: actually remember, remember the name remember of something. I remember the Tauntauns. Um, mostly because I have Tom Tom Club in my head. And so then it goes Tauntauns. <laughs> <laughs> sure.
2: <laughs> whatever works for you. Whatever complicated mnemonics work for you.
1: Um, so I remember that. I remember. I remember them going to Lando. I remember Lando betraying them.
0: Mm-hmm. Was that
1: the garbage movie? Uh, no, that's the,
2: fir- the first The okay, first movie see, with the garbage Like, character. it all just
1: starts to run together t- for me, and I just... <laughs> I don't... I just don't... I don't care enough about the characters, uh-huh. and the story is sort of silly to me, even though it's a very sort of classic story of good versus evil, mm. and, you know, David versus Goliath sort of thing. I just don't care at all. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <I> just, <laughs> and even the new ones, I don't really actually care about any of the characters, I think I can sort of appreciate them on a spectacle level. Like, it's just, again, there are some visually interesting moments. Mm -hmm. I think coming out of... The Last Jedi. The pieces that I liked had nothing to really do with the characters. It had to do with how a scene was sort of presented. So the scene where Lord Dern makes a decision that she's going to stay on the ship yes. and, and drive into the yeah. other ship, and all the sound goes away in the yeah. film, and you just see her ship sort of pierce this up and, and yeah. it's there's just moments of light and blackness, and it's that, it gore- that was it's a, a gorgeously gorgeous film scene, scene. right?
2: that apparently confused the uh, hell apparently yeah they had out to of put everybody. signs
1: of like the movie's not broken we just <laughs> it's a a moment of silence in the film Um,
2: (laughs) which, and I actually, I mean, I have my quibbles with that movie, but I thought it was a really good movie Mm -hmm. and I thought it was an actual movie. Mm -hmm. It was not just another piece of the franchising formula. Right. And that's the kind of thing that it's like the fandom of this franchise is so locked in, like they can't even recognize an artistic choice Mm -hmm. because they don't expect directors to make artistic choices like that in these movies. Right. Right. Um, they're so locked into what they expect these movies to be, mm-hmm. but yeah, that was a that was a gorgeous scene. There was a lot of really nice stuff like that in right. the movie.
1: But all, all those pieces that I liked, it's never about oh, I really like this moment when this character did this or when this character said that. It's I like the sort of visual moments from it. So I think the sort of only enjoyment I've gotten out of the Star Wars films that I've seen, for the most part, has been oh, that was a really pretty shot. <laughs> like I really like the composition <laughs> of that shot. <laughs>
2: Okay, well let's let's segue into talking specifically about this film. Uh, what do you actually know about Return of the Jedi?
1: Uh, well, since you reminded me that Han is in the carbonite, uh-huh. uh, I'm expecting that we are at Jabba the Hutt's lair or whatever, <laughs> and this will be where uh, Princess Leia is in the infamous chainmail Chain bikini. bikini. Um, oh, and this is the one with like the uh, Teddy Ruxpin things, right? <laughs> <laughs> um what were they called what are they called
2: (laughs) they're called ewoks
1: yes uh (laughs) and they probably sold a lot of those of the ewoks yeah i'm not sure
2: they did really i don't think so those
1: are like made for toys i mean yeah they
2: seem like they would be i'm not sure anyone actually liked them but we (laughs) can talk about that later
1: uh and i think that might be it for for that movie
2: okay so you but you're excited
1: i'm not at all Again, I would rather not watch any more of the Star Wars films. I'm sort of done. I've, you know, supported Boyega, and I think I'm off the train.
2: <laughs> okay, well, we'll talk some more about the uh, <laughs> the background of the movie after we watch it. Um, we should probably mention what version we're going to watch. The shortest? Coincidentally, I actually think it is.
1: Yes! <laughs>
2: Because we are going to watch the original version before George Lucas fucked with it about 19 times. Every time it's been re-released since it came out, they've changed the special effects, they've added additional scenes, they've put in references to the later prequel movies mm. into the original trilogy. It's It offends me on a <laughs> genetic level. And fortunately, I, a few years ago, bought one of the few DVD sets that has the original unaltered versions on it uh, as bonus features on this DVD set. It has the original versions as bonus features. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So we are going to watch the original unaltered Return of the Jedi. Um, The quality is not quite as good as the newer versions, but it looks like it was made in 1983, and that's as it should be. (laughs) Okay. Well, let's go
0: watch it. Okay. Okay. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. The next chapter in the Star Wars saga, Return of the Jedi. The battle between good and evil rages on. Join the further adventures of Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, Princess Leia, Lando Calrissian, Chewbacca, C-3PO and R2-D2, and Darth Vader. A journey to alien worlds. It's a trap! A rebellion against oppression. An epic of heroes and villains. An adventure as vast as the universe. Return of the Jedi. Coming to a selected theater in your galaxy.
2: Welcome back. During the break, Nikia and I watched Return of the Jedi. Let's do a little background here at the top, as usual. So, as I said, it was released 35 years ago today, as this episode is going to drop. Uh, Written by George Lucas and Lawrence Kasdan, who had written the second film. Not directed by Lucas. Lucas did not direct a film between the original Star Wars and the prequel movies. Okay. Uh, this one was directed by Richard Marquand. although Lucas apparently tried to find someone to direct this film. He approached David Lynch
1: originally. That would have been interesting.
2: Yes. Lynch had a meeting with him, but Lynch has said that he had... I wish I had a David Lynch impersonation. <laughs> He said he had next door to zero interest in directing a Star Wars movie. Uh, Lynch also apparently approached David Cronenberg to direct. These were much more interesting versions of this movie that we would have gotten. Uh, both of them turned it down. Spielberg was apparently at one point going to direct it.
1: That seems more in line.
2: Yes. But Lucas had actually quit the Director's Guild and the Writer's Guild in a huff between the time Empire and Return of the Jedi came out. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the Writer's Guild and the Director's Guild had rules that said you have to give the writers and the directors credit up front. At the beginning of the movie. Okay. And the Star Wars movies open with the text crawl. Right. And then I think there's a smash screen of just the title of the movie, and then there's no other credits until the end of the movie.
1: I see. Okay.
2: And the Writers Guild and the Directors Guild fined him like a quarter of a million dollars <laughs> for that, and so he quit them in a huff. And he quit the Academy. So what that meant for this movie was he needed a non-union director. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Spielberg couldn't do it because Spielberg would have gotten in trouble with the Directors Guild, right. or the Writers Guild and all of that. So he tapped a fairly minor director named Richard Marcand. He had previously done a Donald Sutherland spy movie called Eye of the Needle, which I have seen, but I barely remember. Uh, After this, he went on to do The Jagged Edge, is probably the only other famous movie he did, the Glenn Close courtroom thriller. And he died fairly young, so... Maybe he would have gone on to to do great things, but he was not a big name director mm-hmm. um and I think that shows in the movie <laughs> and it didn't and it didn't matter. I mean one of the reasons he had trouble finding a director for this was because he he was really sort of directing it kind of behind the scenes right, right. or at least interfering more than any other director would put up with. It was, at this point, a money-making franchise more than it was a movie. Mm -hmm. And this seems to be a common theme in what I've read about this movie. Gary Kurtz had been the producer on the first two movies, and the cast and crew will say he was as much responsible for what happened in the first two movies as anyone. He quit before Return of the Jedi. He had a falling out with Lucas, and... Part of the reason for that was because he's, or at least what he has said afterwards, is that the toy business was driving the the franchise Mm -hmm. more than any concerns about story. So, you know, they had had, they had talked about what the story for this film would be. They had a lot of ideas. It would have been a slightly, it would have been a darker film. It would have ended in slightly darker ways. We can talk about that later, but... Yeah, he said He said the toy business began to drive the empire. It's a shame. They make three times as much on toys as they do on films. <laughs> it's natural to make decisions that protect the toy business, but that's not the best thing for making quality films. If it wasn't for that, the films would be done for their own merits. The creative team wouldn't be looking over their shoulder all the time. So, yeah, he, he quit, and we got the movie that we got.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: With the director that we got, with the script that we got. I think... Everyone pretty much agrees it's the worst of the three original (laughs) movies, including, by the way, someone else who's had a falling out with the Lucas Empire, David Prowse, who is actually the guy that was inside the Darth Vader suit. Oh. Uh, But he said several things over the years, including this. They killed me off. They killed Yoda off. They killed Boba Fett off. And they had all these silly little Ewoks. (laughs) It was by far the worst of the three. I hated it.
1: (laughs) Tell us how you really feel.
2: Yeah. Uh, Pauline Kale, I said we would come back to Pauline Kale's review let's look at that uh, she she put a lot of the blame on the director Mark Han. she was not a fan she called it an impersonal and rather junky piece of movie making <laughs> every time there's a the possibility of a dramatic climax a chance to engage the audience emotionally with something awesome Mark Han trashes it out of what appears to be indifference but may just be a weak visual imagination even the scene that should be the emotional peak of the whole mythic trilogy the moment when the young protagonist Luke Skywalker, removes the black visor and helmet that have concealed Darth Vader's face, has no thrill. There isn't a gasp to be heard in the entire theater. Luke looks into the eyes of his nightmare father, and he might be ordering a veggie burger. <laughs> <laughs> what a director like Richard Marcan does is take the fantasy out of fantasy. Yeah. She
1: basically said, you ain't got the range.
2: She did. Other reviews were in line with that. Vincent Canby in the New York Times said Return of the Jedi doesn't really end the trilogy as much as brings it to a dead stop. The film is by far the dimmest adventure of the lot. Now, the reviews weren't all bad. Uh, Roger Ebert called it magnificent fun. The movie is a complete entertainment, a feast for the eyes, and a delight for the fancy. He must have been in a good mood. (laughs) But really, I think what's important is, what did you think, Nikia?
1: I hated it. It was definitely my least favorite of the of the three.
2: And that's saying and that's a saying a lot because right,
1: that bar was pretty low already. Yeah. So yeah, I I sort of despise that movie. Uh
2: Why is that?
1: I just thought it was dumb, and I thought <laughs> <laughs> you know there, there's
2: a fine line between silly and dumb, and just dumb. And I, I and it, yeah, yeah,
1: it just felt dumb. And, you know, that scene with Andy McDowell in uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral, where she goes... The final
2: and... scene? Yes. <laughs> oh
1: where she's at the door and in the just the worst acting ever says oh is it raining? I hadn't read or whatever the hell yeah, she
2: said I not yeah it's it's generally considered the worst line it's reading in such movie such a
1: painful moment and you're just looking like so Return of the Jedi for me was like that line being said for two hours by someone standing in the middle of Sesame Street that was Return of the Jedi for me I Hated it. I hated everybody in it, and I, I don't know why it exists. It's terrible. It's so terrible.
2: Well, it exists because it it made five hundred million dollars. Obviously, and again, the thirty-two million
1: dollars. Right, which comes down to be, you know, like, what the fuck do I know? <laughs> obviously, nothing. <laughs> but <laughs> that was a painful watch for me. It really was.
2: I I have to admit, and I even as a kid. This movie was a little disappointing to me. Mm -hmm. I didn't think it really answered all of the questions that I said, like we had been speculating about for three years. I thought the answers were both anticlimactic and just, I wouldn't have been able to articulate it then, but I think I felt they were just not satisfactorily explored. Right. Like, okay, Darth Vader's his father, so what?
1: Right, what does that mean? Like,
2: there's no conversation about that, there's no backstory on what happened. You you had to wait for the shitty prequels to get that later. And Leah's his sister, and then there's they barely have an exchange about that. It doesn't seem to matter to anything. And what we get was a fucking hour of the teddy bears (laughs) in the woods, which, even when I was 12, felt like they were aimed at a much younger audience than me. Yes. But I didn't hate the movie back then. Mm -hmm. Watching it this time, it it is worse than I had remembered (laughs) it. There's just, there's very little movie there. There
1: isn't. There really, you know, for all that happens, there's not really a lot of dialogue between the actual characters that is any way sort of illuminating of who they are right. as people. Han somehow just sort of becomes comic relief almost. Like, he's mostly just sort of reacting in a silly way to yeah, things he's that are goofy. happening around him. And I think because in the big sort of climactic battle, which I think is split across three different battles, so you have Luke having the battle with the emperor and his father. Right. Uh Lando is doing the sort of space battle against the what the fuck is it called? The Death Star. The Death, two, Death Star. Electric right. And then Leia and Han and the droids and the fucking Ewoks are having their <laughs> little adventure on Endor. And so it it splits the principal characters Away from each other. And so any sort of dramatic tension or character building that would happen just isn't going to happen. Right. And the way that you sort of tease out what people are going through internally is you have them talk to some other character. Right. And so when you take that away, you just have Luke sort of staring weirdly. And you're just kind of projecting that, oh, he's thinking about what it means that he could possibly be, you know, go to the dark side or whatnot. And again, Luke doesn't, Mark Hamill does not have the range for that. (laughs) He can't telegraph that stuff. This is not his...
2: His right. talent. Um, not a lot of <laughs> so interior. Right. So it's just, just
1: kind of staring like, oh he's just staring off in his face. I'm assuming that he's thinking about something really deep and important and having a moment here, but there's <laughs> nothing really telling me that. Um and as I think Pauline kale I think uh mentioned, that moment that's supposed to be when, you know, he takes the helmet off of Vader and he finally sees his father's face. It does sort of just fall flat. I can imagine that maybe it was exciting for people at the time in the theater, but it was just kind of like, okay.
2: It it wasn't, and I mean, this is and this is not me. You know, this is not revisionist history right. of how sophisticated a child I was. I remember when they took that mask off and being like, oh, it's it's just some old dude,
1: right? It's and maybe it would have, no matter what, it would have been anticlimactic. Like, mean, right at that point, the character is so just mythic, yeah, that. You know, whatever that would have been under the helmet, it may have sort of been at least a little bit of a disappointment. But I also just feel like the the sort of the acting wasn't there and the moment just wasn't created.
2: There's also just, I think, compared to the other two movies, and I know you don't remember the other two movies that Vagal. well. But there was a lot of stuff going on in the other two movies. Yes. Yeah. The second movie, more than the first one, but the first one, too, there were just a lot of set pieces. The thing moved a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, we went from Tatooine to the Death Star to, in the second Mm -hmm. movie, we've got, they get swallowed by a giant asteroid (laughs) thing, and there's Cloud City and there's the ice plant. Like, there's just a lot of sets. There's a lot of.
1: You get the feeling that it's this really large universe that's sort of. Right. You get the stuff on
2: Dagobah with Yoda, the swamp planet. Mm -hmm. This one, it really just has, I mean, yes, that final. The final half of the movie takes place over those three battles right. that you laid out. But still, it's like that's one thing happening, and then we have the Jabba the Hutt stuff in the right. beginning of the movie. And that's it. That's, right. These are the, the two components of this movie. Um, I think the first one, I think the Jabba stuff actually works the best.
1: I hated that whole <laughs> sequence. <laughs> I... <laughs> All right,
2: well, let's, let's talk about that.
1: So, I mean... Jabba is like he just looks like the caterpillar from Alice in Wonderland if it ate the like get bigger cookie and caught diabetes or something. Like, I just, I do, as a kid, I can't really look at him. Um, it's I don't know what it is. No, I, I,
2: think, yeah, I think you can.
1: <laughs> can we use, gender? You can use Jabba. Male, male pronouns with Jabba. Um, and then I just didn't really understand what the fucking plan was.
2: The plan is a problem.
1: So Lando's just been hanging out there in disguise for however long.
2: Right. He seems to be like a guard. Right. And yet...
1: The only black person he could, there.
2: He couldn't have just let Han right. out at any point, I and guess.
1: At no And at no point did somebody say, who the fuck is that? Like, he was just there. <laughs>
2: well, he had that thing over his face. Right. Then. But
1: he's clearly a black gentleman. <laughs> In the middle of where there are none and hasn't been it and all of a sudden this black dude shows up and you don't have any questions about why he's here?
2: Somebody hired him. He went through like HR sure. and he was you know, there was a, probably yeah. a background check. Maybe that wasn't part of the play. Maybe Lando just liked Jabba's Pleasure Palace. It's possible. He was just hanging out there and sure. it was a coincidence.
1: He liked the band?
2: He liked the band. He liked the big six titted woman that was walking around there. I don't Who know.
1: Wouldn't <laughs> Uh and then you have Leia coming in disguised as like a a bounty hunter mm-hmm. with Chewbacca. Yeah. But as she walks into the cave, into Java's lair, she runs into a fucking uh, wind chime. So it's also <laughs> just like... Are you supposed to be stealth right now? It's like, clang, 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 clang. And it's like, that's a bad way to sneak into a lair. But okay. <laughs> um. And then, so she gets captured. And then we have Luke come in and his, you know... I'm complicated robes and <laughs> waves his way in front of Jabba and basically just says, you know, I advise that you let my friends go or I'm going to do something really terrible to you and then gets taken away. That doesn't work. But. As hostage as well. I was like, awesome. Um, but was, is able to free Han from the, what the fuck is it? Carbonite. Carbonite.
2: Well, Leah Lea frees Han. Oh,
1: Leah frees Han.
2: In the middle of the night, and then Jabba the Hutt is like hiding behind a curtain with his entire entourage, ready, ready for this to happen. So that because you ran into a
1: fucking wind chime, you've now alerted everyone—the most rudimentary alarm system ever—a wind chime—and you fucked it up.
2: So this this movie and it's a little unclear but it takes place you know 6 months or even a year after the previous movie mm-hmm. so it's taken them at least 6 months to come up with this plan it's a terrible plan it's a terrible plan like obviously they embedded Lando in here right. to do what what exactly has Lando uh, been doing what, what is his part of the you plan? Recon. Nobody like, knows. I don't know. I don't
1: know.
2: What is the point of Leia coming in, handing Chewbacca, <laughs> like, okay, throw Chewbacca into a cell. Go ahead. Yeah, I don't understand yeah. the plan at all. Luke comes in unarmed, even though he Jedi mind-tricked his way in. Right. It's not like he went through metal detectors. It's not like no. anybody searched him coming in. No. He could have had his blaster and his lightsaber, but no, he needs to, like... Force summon a <laughs> blaster, which doesn't work, and then his lightsaber is hidden inside R two right. to spit it up into the air so he can do a showy for They were all thing. totally
1: planned and worked yeah, out perfectly.
2: Like I, the plan makes no sense. It really doesn't whatsoever.
1: It was, I mean, it's basically like they just needed to get everyone into one location, but they, it just, it does, it's ridiculous. and It doesn't make any <laughs> sense, and it, it needlessly puts people in danger. And I just didn't enjoy it at all. And, I mean, it, 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 the whole sort of environment of the, the Java layer is both good and bad. Like, it's obviously impressive to have so many different kinds of creatures in that space. And you could probably spend a day sort of going and looking at each of them and, and you know...
2: If if you wanted to watch these special editions, Lucas has digitally put in about a thousand more creatures Because in that's those what seeds. you needed was more. There's a whole new dance number... In the new editions, it's, yeah, hideous.
1: I just, I mean, the little, like, blue anteater, band leader thing. <laughs> I So it just, it was just like, and it to me, that, that's very much geared towards a young audience. Yes. Um, and, you know, it, it's in a way that I didn't have that feeling, for example, in the cantina scene, which is sort of the same thing, like, you have right. these sort of different kind of creatures and characters walking right. around, but it didn't feel as sort of juvenile and silly as this one did.
2: Well, Leia's outfit is not geared oh towards God, a goodness. young audience.
1: Ugh. The whole time I'm just like she's so skinny and I hate like talking about people's bodies, but I'm just like cuz I know that she was pre- probably pressured to be ridiculously thin for this scene and she didn't need like there was no need for that. It was totally unnecessary. Yeah. That was absolutely in service to the fanboys. I was just like she didn't need to do that. She could have had on something else that was, you know, if you wanted her to be sort of sexy slave she still could have had more clothes on than what she did.
2: Yeah. And apparently it was super uncomfortable, and there were constant wardrobe malfunctions. I would bet. Because she, she couldn't move in it without her tits falling out. Because she was
1: barely and, covered. Yeah. And it didn't need to be that way. No. It really didn't. And it
2: is, again, like, I was 12 years old when I saw this movie. That was not for me, even. Mm-hmm. Like, I was not old enough to be super interested. Mm-hmm. In Leia, in her sleeve bikini. Um, so yeah, was that what is who is that thrown in right. for in a movie in which you have an army of teddy bears and right? Yeah,
1: it's and so she's a fucking warrior princess. Let her be a warrior princess. Right? Like, don't put her like you know. Supine against this fucking blob of a thing for you know the first half of the movie. I just
2: oh, all I could think watching it now was what looking at Jabba the Hutt and thinking Harvey Weinstein.
1: Oh, too soon! <laughs> 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 like he made Salma Hayek insert a naked love scene between her and another woman in Frida. It's just...
2: No, I mean I look at Jabba the Hutt and I think oh, you, you Harvey, Weinstein, Harvey Weinstein.
1: Yes. Yeah, yes, sure, also that. <laughs>
2: But, I will say, and I said before, I to me as a kid watching this, the first half of the movie was the most fun. Like, the Jabba stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't think about the fact that the plan didn't make any sense. Right, right. And all of that back then. Like, right. that was fun and interesting. And the whole thing with the Sarlacc, the big pit with teeth in it. Mm-hmm. Which, again, doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, you know, they say, oh, you'll experience pain as you're de- slowly devoured over a, a thousand, thousand years. Ye- like, how the fuck does that, like, does this thing grant immortality <laughs> to you? That you will experience pain for a thousand years? Instead of dying, of you know, after a couple of days. I don't know how that works. Whatever. And, you know, the, see, the fight scene where they finally get away on the barge with right. Lucas... Finally gets his lightsaber out, his new lightsaber out, and is swinging it around. That was all very exciting, very thrilling. Uh, again, doesn't make any sense. Not a good plan. No. They really kind of lucked out of getting out of that situation. But yeah, that was all fine. Leah gets her one good moment in the film where she actually strangles Harvey Weinstein With to death. The
1: chain. Sure.
2: I guess that's your female empowerment is moment. It?
1: That's after, or is it before? I guess it would have to be before they put her alongside some big cannon that she has to sort of move into place. So of this very phallic symbol right alongside her while she's in a bikini and lord knows how much america loves a woman in a bikini with a gun you know especially one that she can sort of ride um put
2: that on the calendar the nra yeah, calendar
1: exactly so it's just like all right, okay <laughs> yes.
2: all right well then uh yeah and you're right about like han is almost completely sidelined right Throughout this entire well, movie. He's blind through all most of this do- sequence. Right. <laughs> and all he does is, like, goofy right. reaction shots to things. Right. So let's, let's talk about Harrison Ford for a second. Okay. He did not want to do this movie. <laughs> in fact, one of the reasons he was frozen in carbonite at the end of the second movie was because he only had a two-movie contract. Ah. So <laughs> there was the possibility he was not going to come back at all. Convenient. The, the stories are that his... It, that his agency sort of got manipulated into his making this movie without his consent Oh. No. so he was not happy about being there and he wanted and the original plan was that his character would be killed off
0: mm.
2: that was how that that was in the original story treatment I think both he and landa were supposed to die originally Mm-hmm. And he he never liked this character. Harrison Ford never liked this character. In fact, I remember seeing, I think he was on Inside the actor Studio or something, and somebody asked him, would you do another Star Wars movie? And he was like, that's a really thin character for me to play. <laughs> I'm not really interested in doing that. And then they asked him, would you make another Indiana Jones movie? And he said, in a New York minute. Ah. Like, and so there is a difference between those two franchises. Okay. Um, But he's
1: done the new ones.
2: Yeah, he came back for the new ones 20 years later or whatever.
1: Those checks are nice.
2: Probably. I I almost guarantee that he had it in his contract that Han Solo would be killed off in that (laughs) movie. And he was. But he said back then, he was quoted as saying to Lucas about Han Solo, he's got no mama, he's got no papa, he's got no story. Let's kill him and get some weight to this thing.
1: Dead men don't sell toys.
2: That was the problem. That's why they didn't kill him off. Because the toy company said, "Oh no, no, no! You can't kill no, off can't, one of your main you one of your main hand. characters." Nope. The movie was also supposed to end on not a dark note, but um, it was supposed to end with Leia being crowned the new queen mm-hmm. and kind of her feeling the weight of that and figuring out what it meant to like try to keep her, what was left of her people together right. and all of that. And Luke was supposed to go off by himself mm-hmm. on kind of a dark note. Okay. They described it as being like sort of the end of a spaghetti western when the old gunslinger goes wandering off by goes himself off, has a moody. into the sunset. Mm-hmm. Right. Instead of the fucking nub yub song that we get at the end here. Je- Jesus. But what I think is interesting about that is. That is what people hated about The The Last Jedi. So it's almost like when they made The Last Jedi, they took that story treatment Mm -hmm. of Luke going off by himself, turning his back on all of this and going off alone, and Leia being the queen Mm -hmm. and the leader of her people. Mm -hmm. Somebody who looked at that and was like, yeah, that's a better story. Let's just (laughs) tell that.
1: (laughs) That's a more complicated hero, though, and... People aren't always right. receptive to that,
2: right? And that's and that is what the fanboys had the problem with. It right. was like they thought the treatment of Luke, like he was no longer a hero. He was, right. you know, just this sour old guy off by himself, which had been the original plan. And like you said, Luke was always kind of a whiny little bitch. He was so, always a whiny
1: little bitch.
2: Yeah. All right. Well, what else do you want to talk about here?
1: I mean, I think if any of the scenes had any sort of impact for me, the scene between Luke and Yoda, uh, when Yoda tells him, you know, there is another Skywalker, that was probably the most sort of dramatic scene in the whole mm. film, partially because he was saying it mid-death gurgle. and Right, and being
2: know, really vague. Like, yeah. you, know, you got, like, three breaths Just left to you. Maybe spit out the pertinent information. Yes.
1: Can we cut the inverted Maybe. sentence structure? Just tell me what the fuck <laughs> is happening because you're about to die. I don't have time for this.
2: Get to a proper noun in your sentence. <laughs>
1: Maybe
2: tell me who the other Skywalker is.
1: He should have done a, a Tom Hanks and said, earn this. <laughs> <laughs>
2: And then Yoda's death scene is kind of moot because then the ghost of Obi-Wan comes in and lays it all out, you know, in long-winded exposition. Yeah. You know, poor Alec Guinness, who God knows how much money they paid to get him to come back for this. He has the unfortunate task of trying to retcon all of the mistakes from (laughs) early, not mistakes, but the fact that when they made Star Wars, they had no idea this was going to be, there was no plan for multiple movies. Right when they made Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And in Star Wars, there is no hint that Darth Vader is his father. (laughs) Darth Vader, you know, doesn't really sense anything about Luke Skywalker or doesn't care about Luke Skywalker in that. And in Star Wars, Obi-Wan tells Luke that Darth Vader killed your father.
1: Right, right.
2: Which now he says, well, it was true from a certain perspective. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just such weak-ass retcon script revisionism.
0: (laughs)
1: Which I think is interesting when you think about the choice, and I I think this is another choice that sort of pissed fanboys off, in the new one with Rey when it's revealed that she's nobody. Like, there is no special parentage, there's no we're not gonna try to make her into this sort of, having this sort of mythical lineage sort of thing, she's just a person.
2: Well, you, you don't even know that the prequel movies, mm-hmm. one of the many shitty things they do in that, is they tie the Force into something biological. Mm. It's like about who, it's. I think it's called midichlorians. Okay. Like, who has more midichlorians in their bloodstream?
1: Another X-Men or something?
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and so then it is this very much this genetic I see. thing that's passed down through generations, etc. Mm-hmm. Instead of... Like you said, everybody can be a hero, right? Or now anyone can be a right. hero. That was obviously something they very wisely just decided to completely ignore mm-hmm. when they made the new movies. But I actually, I actually want to go back and rewatch The Last Jedi now because I I feel like I have a new appreciation for it. Yeah, understanding what they're trying to fix right. from what went wrong from the earlier movies. Yeah, and one of the things I like about it. Is okay, so let's talk about the redemption of Darth Vader.
1: Okay. Uh, which happens pretty quickly.
2: Happens really quickly <laughs> and is not really earned in any way. No. I mean and they try to seed it throughout the film, Luke is saying after Luke finds out he is really his father, suddenly Luke is saying, There is good in it. Right, I, feel I it. have felt it. Mm-hmm. Really? When? Yeah. When did you feel that exactly? Yeah. When he was blowing up Princess Leia's planet and committing mass genocide, when he was torturing Princess Leia, who is now, we find out, is his daughter. Right. Like, when exactly did Vader exhibit this goodness? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's, I mean, if he's not Hitler, he's like Himmler, (laughs) like the head of the SS. That's basically who Darth Vader is. Um, He has done nothing good. Right. Through any of these movies. And so, this sudden deathbed conversion Mm -hmm. that Vader goes through, where he just decides he doesn't want to see the Emperor kill his son, and so he kills the Emperor instead, there's no justification for it. No, they have
1: not laid the groundwork for that at all.
2: And And it's not enough. No.
1: Again, it's like when... it's it's the audience having to project a lot onto work that isn't being done by the, or at least work that isn't being done by the writing. So you have the Luke and the Emperor in this battle, and the Emperor is all of a sudden conducting electricity through his, which I don't, I guess that's a thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. We haven't
2: seen that before, but that's suddenly a thing.
1: Which, there's actually, there's a character in uh, one of my favorite terrible movies, Big Trouble in Little China, called... That's believe, not a terrible movie. I like that movie. But, I, the Asian community would probably disagree with you. Okay. <laughs> <right. laughs> there's some terrible shit in there. Um,
2: but, okay, but that seems like the kind of movie that I would make you watch.
1: Right, and I sort of, I think I just have a Kurt Douglas thing that happen I haven't... You to have gotten in, that
2: one earlier. Right. Uh,
1: um, Kurt Russell. Yeah. Kurt, yeah, Kurt Russell. Kurt, oh God, Kurt Douglas. Oh my God. <laughs> <All right. laughs> yes uh a kurt russell thing um and it's it's just terribly cheesy uh but in the best way there i think there is a character in there called lightning and he he literally does he like shoots lightning uh-huh. through his body um but anyway so it reminded me of that but but yeah, so you have that moment where they're they're in the middle of battle, and Vader is sort of standing there watching it, and then he sort of just turns his head and looks at the Emperor, and mm-hmm. then turns his head and looks at Luke, and you and I think you're supposed. You to want to talk
2: to, about some interior yeah, acting there like, behind that helmet? Mask.
1: So exactly. So we're just like, okay, now he's he's feeling something now. Something's yeah. gonna have Something is changing. His mood is changing, even though I cannot see his face, <laughs> <laughs> and he's giving us giving us no reason to think that he would change his mind. Um, so yeah, it was definitely, again, the audience had to bring a lot to that scene to make it work.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, he also, and again, this is from the prequel movies, which I barely remember. I've, I think I've seen, I'm not even sure I've seen all three of them, but I've seen, if I have, I've seen them once and forgotten most mm-hmm. of it, but... Vader, I think right before he becomes Vader, he, like, slaughters all of the Jedi students. And these are, like, little children. Oh, my God. Like, he kills all the children in the Jedi school. So it's like, yeah, the redemption of this guy is... There's good in him. Right. <laughs> and so what? where I was going with this is now that gives me a better appreciation for that scene in The Last Jedi
0: mm-hmm.
2: where Kylo Ren... He and Rey have that fight against the Imperial Guard. Right. And Kylo Ren kills the Emperor. Right. Or he's not the Emperor, Snokes, whatever he is, that guy. Much the same way Vader did. Right. And he's like, okay, now we're partners right. now. We're a team and we can be a couple and all of that. And she's like, fuck no. Right. Like,
1: You're evil. Dude. Right.
2: That is not redemption. <laughs> right. Just because you selfishly wanted to be with right. me, like, that is not redemption. You are still an awful, <laughs> yeah. awful person and fuck you. Yeah. And so that seems to me now like a direct commentary mm-hmm. on this bullshit redemption of Darth Vader right. at the end of Jedi. I do like the Emperor, though. I like the Emperor's performance. Ian McDermott, I think is his name. It's it's just such a scenery-chewing right. performance. Yeah. <laughs> He's just so, oh, I'm afraid the shield will be quite <laughs> operational when your little friends arrive. That's a fun performance. Yes,
1: it's always best to be the villain, in my mind. (laughs) They have the most fun.
2: Alright, I guess we're going to have to talk about the Ewoks. Fuck
1: the Ewoks. (laughs) (laughs) Tell
2: us how you really feel.
1: I hated... (laughs) I feel like we spent way too much time... It's a fucking
2: long time. With the Ewoks. With the Ewoks.
1: Are they supposed to be like some sort of Native American sort of hybrid thing? A lot of people
2: saw them as Vietnamese... Oh god. Because it's like the the low tech, you know, uh, jungle forest mm-hmm. army taking on a technologically superior force sure. and winning. There was a lot of yes reading into that.
1: Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe, but no. <laughs>
2: it's it's very avatar It's that whole, you you come in and you get the native army to fight your battle for you sort of thing. And they
1: die for you when they could have just been minding their own fucking business. Right, when they
2: suddenly decide that they love you and will do anything for you.
1: Because they thought the, what's not, I always get them confused. Is it C three PO? C three PO, yes. yes. Was a god of right. some sort.
2: Yeah, yeah. They
1: were terrible.
2: And it's they are not as bad as Jar Jar Binks. Well, because that movie, was which racism. you unfortunately have not experienced. Right. But it is the same feeling watching them, where it's like they're supposed to be cute and, and primitive. they're supposed to be funny, right? And they're a little racially yep. coded in mm-hmm. problematic ways. If you don't find them cute, and if you don't find them funny, it's just painful to watch that. It's very that. painful. Well,
1: that's the end and that's what I, because, I mean, there were definitely some sort of visual cues to this idea of, like, a Native American sort mm-hmm. of, some cultural signifiers at play. And, you know, this idea of an indigenous, quote-unquote, primitive population coming to the aid of an invading white.
2: Right, exactly. That's that's the <laughs> avatar that I was talking right. about.
1: It's, so it's just like, huh. Okay, and dying for them just because they fell in love with them for some unknown reason. I just didn't find it charming. I didn't find them funny. I didn't find them cute. And then the worst crime of all. That damn last scene <laughs> where they're playing whatever shitty song that is, and it's so bad. That they have Billy D. Williams <laughs> clapping on the one and the three instead of the two and the four.
0: <laughs> That's
1: how bad. I was like, "Oh, Billy, <laughs> Billy D., you're better than this." That's when I was done with the Ewoks. Fuck the Ewoks. No. I
2: I just and again, even as a twelve year old, I didn't buy the battle scene. No. Like there are, no, there is no way they had
1: rocks and sticks. Right,
2: <laughs> the the other guys are wearing armors and carrying lasers. And like, they had those don't...
1: like big machine things, yes, so like
2: the walkers. That's... Yeah, yes. you don't win this fight with teddy bears. <laughs> and there's scenes of like the teddy bears swinging in yeah. and knocking the guys over. Like, what do those things weigh? About ten pounds. <laughs> like, there is no way. They are knocking over these stormtroopers. Yeah. Oh, my favorite Ewok moment, by the way. There
1: is no favorite Ewok moment. <laughs> that is not a thing.
2: They they have taken pains to show what are those things called speeder bikes or whatever it is mm-hmm. that they are foot operated. We get shots of stormtroopers like putting their foot down on the in the steerer sure. and like speeding up. Right. And then the Ewok whose feet <laughs> barely straddle the seat of this thing. <laughs> Steals a speeder bike and starts racing off. You're on
1: asking him. for too much. <laughs> you're looking for logic in a. His in a, foot in a is world
2: nowhere near the gas pedal no, of these things. No,
1: you're asking for too much.
2: I'm asking them not to put the shot earlier in the film that showed that these things are op- gas pedal operated.
1: Nope, too much.
2: Um, there's a couple of tricks they have that I think would work. I think the thing with the two logs coming smashing, in and sure. smashing the thing, maybe that would work if you timed it just right, sure. I guess. I don't know when they had time to set that up exactly. exactly. Or how? <laughs> but yeah, yeah, there's no way you win this fight. and again, then the question becomes, if you look back at it, what exactly was the plan here? Because you didn't know you were gonna have the ewok army when you arrived right at this planet mm-hmm. and then why are you turning it over they to going to figure it out? You know,
1: scrappy band of this
2: pre-industrial yeah, society. They are gonna
1: figure it out.
2: I, I sort of think the Alliance deserves to lose Because <laughs> they're this, bad planners. Because they're really bad planners. <laughs> and I was also thinking about this. I'm not sure at any point in the trilogy we understand why the Empire is so bad.
1: Because they want to blow up planets and shit.
2: Yeah, but they're blowing up planets. They blow up the planet to get information about the Rebellion. But why is the Rebellion happening in the first place... Like, is it an oppressive regime? We assume it is. We don't see any of that. Mm-hmm. We're just told they're evil. Maybe they're not evil.
1: Well, they wear black and red.
2: <laughs> so that's they how we stand know they're in evil. Very straight lines. I mean they seem very yeah. organized. They seem very, you know, good at their jobs. Mm-hmm. I, maybe the Empire was really no, I don't the victims so. no, here.
1: No, I don't think we're supposed to be rooting for the Empire. <laughs> I mean, they call themselves the dark side. So <laughs> Well,
2: that's true. That's fair. <laughs>
1: that's probably <laughs>
2: But that might have been just a branding problem. They could have just, like, you sure. know, changed their image and see the lighter side of the dark side. Mm,
1: sure. Yeah. PR campaign. Mm-hmm. Got it.
2: Maybe rethink the look a little bit. I mean,
1: I love the look. I'm all
2: about the look. <laughs> you like the look? <sighs> what else? I mean, there, that's the thing. There isn't that much in this movie no. to talk about. The assault on the Death Star, which is the same assault on the Death Star that we got.
1: Every other time.
2: Which, again, is something the producer, Gary Kurtz, had objected to. And one of the reasons he fell out with Lucas. He's like, why are we doing this again? Mm-hmm. Why are we doing another Death Star sequence? It's
1: bigger this time.
2: Uh, it's a little bigger this time. It's not completed. <laughs> which makes you wonder why they decided to take it into battle when it just seems easier for ships to fly into it and blow it up. Um, that's another thing. The Emperor says this was all his plan. Like, he leaked the information right. in order to draw Luke there. Right. Okay, so I take back what I said. The Empire's planning <laughs> is not good either. Nobody in these movies plans well. You you planned all of this? He says he foresaw he said, right. it all. Well, you lost. <laughs> You got your ass thrown down in you know elevator shaft, and
1: maybe he's like Garnet, where he can see all the different possibilities. <laughs> that reference is
2: too obscure for our really? audience.
1: Oh my God! If you have not watched Steven Universe, <laughs> go watch Steven Universe, and you know fix your life.
2: <laughs> I agree with that. Right? <laughs> So you think he can just see certain possibilities. Right, so maybe he can
1: just see possibilities, mm-hmm. but not necessarily, you know, still in flux.
2: He got his ass fluxed down he an elevator shaft. He did his staff. ass fluxed
1: down an elevator shaft, but, you know, he got lightning coming out of his hands, so. <laughs>
2: uh. so, yeah.
1: It was dumb shit, and I'm done with this franchise, is the takeaway, really.
2: Eh, what haven't we talked about? The whole sister thing—you want to talk about? There's Leon. nothing to
1: talk about. He said, "You're my sister," and she said, "I have always known that." <laughs> yes. And again, Andy McDowell. Even, even when I was making rain, up, with,
2: making out with you in the earlier movies,
1: there was no emotion to that scene at all. And then she, for some reason, weirdly didn't want to tell Han about it. Yeah, she
2: keeps that a secret just so. Just
1: ran, and then he's pissed off. So now it's just, and again, one of my most hated tropes in film is unnecessary miscommunication. <laughs> Just tell him what just happened. There's no reason to keep that a secret because now he thinks you're, you know, lusting after your brother.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, we all think that because that's what you've been doing for <laughs> the past two movies because Lucas came up with this idea pretty late in the process, obviously. It almost seems like, okay, we had the Darth Vader father revelation in the second movie. We need a new revelation right. for this movie. Maybe Leia can be his sister and we'll ignore all the incest stuff. So there's an aspect of this mo- these movies that I'm surprised you haven't mentioned. And I'll admit it. It only occurred to me in watching this one. Okay. Let's talk about the droids.
1: I feel like I've mentioned my hatred for the droids.
2: Okay, but this is what I'm saying, is I feel like you're on the wrong side of this. I feel like your sympathies should be with the droids, because I'm pretty sure they are a slave race.
1: Probably, yep, probably, yeah.
2: And the, the scene in this movie that made me realize that was when we were on Jabba's planet. And they go
1: to that chop shop.
2: They go to the chop shop. <laughs> And droids are screaming in pain as they are branded. Yeah. Like, we see this poor droid upside down with his feet being branded, mm-hmm. and he is screaming in pain. First of all, why do you program droids to feel pain? Right. Why is that a thing?
1: Because then you feel good about making them feel pain. <laughs> It's no fun if the person doesn't scream. That's the whole thing.
2: I mean, So, I feel like there's a droid rebellion movie to come out of the Star Wars it's franchise. It's not I mean with those
1: two, though. Maybe uh, the garbage can one, but not um, <laughs> C3. Because in every situation, he's like, yeah, I just want to go home. I don't want to do whatever adventure. Which I, I appreciate. I respect that. But it, it's, it's, it gets tiring. It gets old. Because he's always like, I don't. I don't think this is a good idea. So... They will not lead the revolution, if it is to ever happen.
2: You think BB-8 could lead the revolution?
1: BB-8 may be able to lead the revolution, unless it's, you know, on a slope, but...
2: I want that to be the next trilogy in the Star Wars series. Is
1: BB-8 and...
2: BB-8 and the rest of the droids getting together to kill all of the humans that have been keeping them oppressed for hundreds of years.
1: That would be an interesting film. Yeah, they had one of the droids like on a rack of some sort. like They were pulling it apart. Yeah, it was- no, it was a
2: torture chamber. <laughs> and again, it seems to me that one of the advantages of a robot working class right. would be that they don't feel pain right. or complain or whatever... So somebody programmed these things Mm. to feel pain, or they just are ensouled. They become, yeah. Either way, it's super problematic.
1: (laughs) It's going to be Westworld.
2: (laughs) God, I wish that show were more fun. (laughs) Puts my ass to sleep every time I try to watch that show.
1: But Tandy's amazing.
2: She is. You don't watch that show either. I
1: don't care. Tandy's amazing. I don't care what Tandy's. Do. Tandy is amazing.
2: Get a sense of humor.
1: Well, there you go. Westworld, but with the Star Wars droids. That would be an
2: excellent show. I See? would watch that show. Okay. Any uh, final thoughts on this uh, particular opus?
1: It sucked Jabba dick. <laughs>
2: We didn't actually get to We saw his tongue a lot. We didn't actually we didn't get see to see
1: Java's tongue. Java we saw his tail. It was hidden a lot. somewhere in the middle of What many was that random ass fat? rat? Was it a rat embedded on his body? Uh, like a pimple? <laughs> i couldn't quite see like is the rat coming out of his body or is it just near him
2: i think it was just it's you know curled up like a cat oh okay his fat folds. they kept like that creature actually has a name does it yes he's called salacious crumb
1: why the fuck <laughs> you took all that fucking time thinking of that bullshit ass name but you didn't put more into the plot to the story.
2: All of these creatures have names, and if you think about it for a second, you'll realize why. Why? For the toys. Oh
1: fucking shit! <laughs> See, this is why socialism. <laughs> <laughs> This is what happens <laughs> when we let money drive things. If you're
2: selling an action figure of that do little need rat a name. thing, they do you need, need a name. to have a name on it. Salacious so apparently his name is Salacious Krug. He got a lot
1: of screen time for doing nothing. He did get a he lot of just, screen like, time. He was just like reaction shot guy. He got
2: more screen time than like Yoda got. Right. <laughs> you know? And I was
1: like, who the fuck is this rat? And I really did think he was like growing out of Java's <laughs> ass like a zip. I was like, why does he have a rat on his body? I I couldn't understand. <laughs> Ugh.
2: So, uh, I think as we record this, Solo is opening tonight. Mm -hmm. I think we can go to a midnight screening of Solo tonight. I will will not be doing that. If you would like to go see that.
1: No, I'm off the Star Wars train. I'm sorry. (laughs) I gotta get off. I understand Lando's in this and... Oh, uh, what's her name? Fleabag is in it.
2: Yes, Phoebe Waller-Bridge is in it. So
1: there are people in it that I like, but I just...
2: Khaleesi is in it. Khaleesi
1: is in it, though. Mm.
2: You're not a huge Khaleesi man. I
1: I like the dragons. Yeah. I can take or leave Khaleesi, really. Um, Woody
2: Harrelson is in it.
1: That is not a draw for me. (laughs) He was also in Three Billboards, so...
2: (laughs) I do have to say, and I, I don't understand most of the critiques of the new movies. I understand some of... like. The first new movie again, we did just get like another fucking Death Star blow up the Death right, Star storyline. Right. Like that critique, I understand. Mm-hmm. But they are just objectively so much better movies yeah. than the original trilogy was. They really are, was. well, because
1: they have stories.
2: Yeah, and the acting is, is better. Better.
1: Mark Hamill's even better in the new in the yes, last he Jedi. He was yeah. much better.
2: Well, he had a little more to work with than he had here.
1: I hated him in Hologram. He, the first time we see him, he was in Hologram from the droid, and I was just like, I fucking hate you. You're a terrible actor. I shouldn't say he's a terrible I hate that character. I, d- yeah. <laughs> I despise that character. <laughs> I mean, I think overall the, the problem with this movie is, right, when you have Carrie Fisher and you have Billy Dee Williams and you have Harrison Ford um, and even James Earl Jones and you give them very little to do and the weight of the movie has to be sort of carried by Luke, but then the writing doesn't help him at all, you're just starting from a point of failure. And so then you seem to just try to cover all that up with Ewoks and, you know, Jabba's little creature feature shit and it, so it just becomes this it is it just becomes a sort of silly money grab um, and obviously it was very successful but I don't know that it's any fun to watch really um, I don't know it just felt like it got really silly and not that it was ever a very serious right franchise This, and I,
2: and I know you don't remember the second movie very well the second movie was more serious mm-hmm. and better written. Right. Like, there were actual, I mean, not super sophisticated character development, but there was some good dialogue, mm-hmm. you know, for what it was, some good scenes between Han and Leia. Right. So there was some actual character development with Luke on Dagobah with Yoda and all of that. Um, and Lucas, again, Lucas didn't direct that one, and he thought that one was too dark. Yeah. So when it came time to do Return of the Jedi, this was all conscious. It was all intentional. Right. Uh, so
1: success. That's great.
2: Which is why mm. the best thing that ever happened to this franchise was when he sold it to Disney and they took George Lucas out of <laughs> the equation. <laughs> like he has no role. Right. In the new movies. Um, he apparently gave them some of his story ideas, and they said, okay, thanks, yeah, no, we're not going to do that, and threw them out. He got $4 billion for right. this franchise, right. so... He's fine. He's fine.
1: Yes. <laughs>
2: but it's in other hands now, which I think is the best thing that ever happened to it. All right, uh, final verdict?
1: I hated it. Hated it, dude. I... <laughs>
2: That actually wasn't bad.
1: I'm getting Your better. Your Yoda is usually I'm really better. awful. It's usually very terrible. That, you know, but I'm getting better.
2: <laughs> that had a little of that Grover quality. Yoda is basically Grover's voice. He is voice. Grover. Yeah. So you, you had a little of it there. That was good. Thank you. Credit where credit is due. Thank you very much. <laughs> That's our show. We want to thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us next week as we segue gently into summer with a viewing of the 1981 film On Golden Pond, starring Henry Fonda and Catherine Hepburn.
1: Is that the one where the old people wade into the water and then they come out young and renewed?
2: <laughs> yes. Awesome. Yes, it is. Looking forward to it. And the aliens live on Steve Gutenberg's boat. <laughs> On Golden Pond is currently available to stream for free on Netflix and Amazon Prime, so if, like the unenthusiastic critic, you haven't seen it, and if, unlike her, you want to, <laughs> you can watch it there. In the meantime, you can find us on the web at unaffiliatedcritic.com, follow us on Twitter at Free Range critic, or send us an email at michael at unaffiliatedcritic.com. In any of these places, we encourage you to suggest a film Nakia desperately needs to see to make her life complete. Until next time, remember, true love means making your partner watch movies they really, really don't want to watch.
1: I'm officially done with Star Wars.
2: <laughs> we'll see about that. <laughs>
1: Also, if you want a more interesting story about complicated parentage and... This is going to be good. You know, a space opera of some sort. Steven fucking Universe. Star Wars is not good. Steven Universe will give you that. There's the space. There's space travel. There are space battles. And there's the whole... There's
2: an evil empire. There's an
1: evil empire. There's a rebellion you know, on Earth. Instead of the dad being the sort of complicated figure, the mom is the complicated figure. And the dad is the stable one in his own way. So that—that's my. Don't watch Star Wars. Go watch Steven Universe. We
2: should just make this a Steven Universe. We re- podcast there's that so I think much you it. could
1: talk about there Steven really Universe. Is.
2: Okay, well, so this is the last episode of the <laughs> interstitial.
1: And they are so much more we will be interesting. Going to an all
2: Steven Universe. Oh format. my
1: god! I just realized that. Like that is your space opera right there. <laughs> Fucking Steven Universe. Do that. Watch that instead. The
2: songs are better, too. The
1: songs are better. It's more diverse. It's, you know, all kinds of different identities represented. I mean, please.